Our system of federalism is supposed to foster laboratories of democracy. Which states do a better job of fostering freedom? Will Ruger and Jason Sorens are co-authors of Freedom in the 50 States for the Cato Institute. We'll discuss the fifth edition of this important report and find out where liberty lovers should live and take your questions next. Hello, welcome to Cato Connects. My name is John Samples. I'm vice president here at the Cato Institute. Today, we're going to be discussing a new Cato publication, Freedom in the 50 States. Now, you can find this publication both as a website and as a PDF at freedominthe50states.org. That's freedominthe50states.org. You can download the PDF or you can use the website to find out uh, information about each state. Uh, today we have with us uh, the co-authors of this new study. William Ruger is research fellow in foreign policy studies at the Cato Institute. He is also a vice president uh, for research and policy at the Charles Koch Institute. Jason Sorens is lecturer in the Department of Government and program director of the Political uh, Economy Project at Dartmouth College. Welcome, gentlemen, to Cato Connects. Thanks for having Thank us. Um, I should also add, before we start uh, with our authors, that you can tweet your questions for them as you listen to what we say uh, to hashtag Cato Connects, or you can also post them on Facebook Live, and we'll get to them as we go through the conversation. So please, that's hashtag Cato Connects or Facebook Live. Um, let's start with something very practical and concrete. I'm thinking about moving in the next couple of years out of the Washington region. Imagine that, a libertarian moving out of Washington. Uh, your study looks at liberty and how the states protect it or don't protect it. So tell me, where should I move? What's the best state? What's a really good state? But above all, I really want to know, what's the worst state? What do I want to avoid? Well, people move for a lot of different reasons, family reasons, climate, natural amenities. Uh, you know, so freedom is also one of those things that they do uh, move for. Um, and we see that in our data. Um, but again, you, know, you should choose where you want to live based on a variety of factors. But if freedom matters to you and you want to reveal that preference by where you live as opposed to what you just say, then you might want to live in a place like Florida, which is number one in our index, or New Hampshire, which is number two. Very different climates. If you want to go skiing and be able to go to the beach, but not in the same season, unlike in California, New Hampshire might be the place for you. But especially if freedom matters. Florida, lots of different uh, natural amenities there, but also, again, doing quite well in the Freedom Index. Colorado, Indiana, Nevada, these are all relatively free states. And again, they're pretty free across the board. Those are good places to live too. Uh, but the, the one place you might not want to live if freedom really matters to you, and that is New York our number 50 state. New York does quite badly in terms of fiscal policy, in terms of regulatory policy, and in terms of paternalism, if you will, personal freedom issues. The other thing I'd, I'd point out is that freedom means something a little bit different to everybody. Our freedom index is based on the economic research on the impacts of each of these policies. That's how we weight all the variables into the index. But mm -hmm. we also allow, and this is uh, new this year on the website, you can go in and choose your own weights for all the different policies and create your own personalized freedom index, and that can tell you where uh, you can find the most freedom that you care about. 
But it is interesting, I think, you while you can do that and you might come up with a different set of rankings if you chose a different weighting that was appropriate to you as a person. But it's not as if you just chose the weightings at random. You provide in the PDF on the website a very consistent and long argument about why we chose these particular kinds of weightings, correct? That's right. And, and again, these uh, these weightings are based on, uh, in, in most cases, on research that others have done and that we're citing there mm -hmm. um, or original research that we've done. And if you really want a deep dive, you can even go in and download the spreadsheet and look at all the data we have there and the sources and find out uh, the detailed explanations for the weights. But for us, uh, essentially, the index is composed of three big areas, fiscal policy, regulatory policy, and personal freedom. And these are all about a third of the index. Uh, fiscal policy is about 30 percent, and the other two are about 35. And then that's broken down into about 230 different variables mm -hmm. whose weights change based on that research that Jason just cited. Mm -hmm. And that's everything from tax burden to government consumption, government debt. Uh, it is uh, regulatory policies in terms of, say, minimum wage laws or uh, occupational licensing. And then on terms of like personal freedom, everything from gun control to alcohol freedom, tobacco freedom, mm -hmm. uh, marijuana laws to you know, homeschooling regulations. So it's, it's quite a big range when you're talking about 230 policies. So even if you change the weights on this or that, we think our findings are really quite robust given how many different variables there are. There are. And so if it's just one variable or two that you don't think matches the way we think about it, I think you'll still find generally that states like Florida, New Hampshire, Indiana, those are at the top, and you'd have to change almost everything to get, Nevada, uh, get New York to move out of number 50. Well, maybe they will. <laughs> and that's actually one of the very interesting parts for me. Uh, here in Washington, we often hear from policymakers or others, you know, we know what Cato's against and you're against things, but you got to tell us what we're, you should be for. And what's interesting about this, for each state, you indicate to policymakers in the state how they can move forward, the changes that could be brought about, what's causing the problems, why. The, there's not any uh, mystery here. You actually lay it out why you have a relatively low ranking and what could be done to make it better. Is that that's correct, right? That's right. And for those for those state profiles, which you can find in the PDF, uh, we did a deep dive on each state's policies. So we don't just say your tax burden is X percent above the national average. We actually look in at, at what the state is spending on and, and why spending is too high uh, and therefore why taxes are too high. So we really try to give Recommendations that are tailored to each state's um, policy situation. We are happy to work with uh, think tanks in each state. We've we've been doing that with uh, with every edition, working with uh, the the free market think tanks in each state to um, identify uh, the areas that that need the most improvement and and where it's uh, maybe politically plausible for states to improve as well. Well, sometimes uh, your recommendations aren't, and rankings aren't always well received. I understand the, mayor, uh, the governor of New York wasn't entirely pleased with finishing last again. Did, did you have a response to uh, what was said? To, and I mean, what I, did he say? I guess what I would say is uh, we're excited to have a conversation about what freedom is because there may be differences of opinion about that. But our, our definition of freedom is really rooted in the, in the kind of classic Western tradition, Anglo-American tradition. We believe that uh, people are free when they can order their lives, liberties, and property as they see fit, consistent with the equal rights of others. So mm -hmm. consistent with that notion that, you know, 
your rights end at the tip of my nose. So we're, you know, we're not saying that people could do whatever they want, but they ought to be able to order their life project as they see fit. And the governor has a different opinion about, I think, what freedom is, his mm-hmm. office. Um, uh, but it's also a case that, if look, if, if, if you have a problem with our index, let's talk about the ideas. But really, the problem is that New York is failing on so many margins to secure the property and the liberties of New York citizens. I mean, you think about the high tax burden that is that you have in New York. Um, you think about all the regulations that restrict entrepreneurship and innovation. Uh, you think about in the, even in the personal freedom area. Like I said, they come in 40th on personal freedom. So it's not as if it's merely economic controls. It's actually controls over all co- kinds of parts of people's lives, and that's what you know. That's why they come out so badly. And there are real there are real uh, impacts here. Um, 14% of New Yorkers in 2000 have moved out of the state on net. So that's even including people who have been coming in and, and subtracting the people who have left. They're negative. So people are voting with their feet against the policies of New York. Is that a general story? In other words, if we assume that people cared a fair amount about liberty uh, and the prosperity that often goes with it, you would see, generally speaking, uh, the states that do well, that are improving, would gain residents while there would be a movement out. I hear all sorts of stories about people eloping from California. It's, uh, and, of course, the New York story is a, is a long-time one, I think. Uh, is it true generally that you find a correlation with uh, your findings on freedom? We do, and we weren't sure at first, the first time we did this, what we would find. But in fact, um, we find that Americans reveal their preference for freedom by moving from less free to freer states. And we find this across all three dimensions of freedom, actually, fiscal policy, regulatory policy, and personal freedom. Uh, Americans are, are, are attracted to all three of those things. And, uh, you know, we, we've we've tortured the data any any way you can, and that still comes out, right? So we've tried to put, put our data to a hard test, uh, and, uh, and we still find that, um, that Americans are attracted to freedom. And this is controlling for things like natural amenities and weather. So it's not as if people are simply moving to Florida or Arizona because of the weather. We're controlling for that and still finding that freedom is significant. And again, people move for lots of reasons, but freedom appears to be one of them based on our study. I yeah. think that's encouraging because we often sometimes wonder how much people care about freedom. But if it's in the data, which I think speaks freely rather than being right. tortured, it uh, actually is encouraging that people care about freedom, among other things. We have our first question, though, here from Dan G. Um, does a punitive damages cap increase or decrease lawsuit freedom? The same question for extra burden of proof for punitive damages and joint several liability abolition. Now, there, that's getting down in the weeds, mm-hmm. guys. You got to love it, someone really getting into the study. <laughs> yeah. We view those as increases in freedom. Uh, We think that those are um, areas where um, some state tort liability systems go overboard and um, uh, are open to excessive penalties against usually business defendants, especially out-of-state businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, There are a few jurisdictions around the country where uh, juries give astronomical awards uh, for relatively minor harms, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, and so we think those tort reforms are, in general, a positive thing for states. And we do find actually a relationship between um, those tort reforms and lower business liability insurance costs, and that's the cost of business and uh, a deterrent to investment. 
Uh, now, maybe in a world where there were no statutory or administrative regulation, um, we might say that courts should be free to handle these things however they want. But the reality is that businesses in this country face two forms of regulation. They face the statutory administrative regulation that imposed uh, on on um, on businesses by bureaucracies and, and enforced with fines. Uh, and you also have the civil system where businesses can be sued. And so that you combine those two and it really is a, a significant uh, burden on, on uh, entrepreneurs. So I would have a question too. We hear a lot of discussion about uh, pension issues for states. And these now the issue would be though, they would be looming problems, right? Some of them are coming, uh, or maybe I'm mistaken about they're coming to, to ground right now. But as people think about uh, what they're doing over the next few years, does it those kinds of problems, Illinois is the classic state, uh, the, even the possibility of bankruptcy for the state. Do those that kind those kinds of shadows do they show up in your data? Do they affect things now? Or and it's a way, I guess, of asking uh, how long run, uh, how far down the road uh, people are looking, and how it affects the freedom in a state. That's a great question. We do include state and local debt burden and state and local uh, financial assets in the Freedom Index. So debt burden is negative for freedom because it increases your future tax burden. And we actually do a calculation using a discount rate to see mm -hmm. just how important right. that is right. uh, for future tax burden, and, and that's its weight in the index. Um, we do not include unfunded pension liability uh, for several reasons. Uh, first of all, there are different ways of calculating that. Mm. Um, and second of all, those data are only available for very recent years. Uh, so you, you might, when you're thinking about a state's uh, future fiscal situation, want also to include some measure of uh, pension liabilities. Uh, and Illinois, for instance, you might say our, our, our study slightly overrates Illinois because it doesn't include uh, that unfunded pension liability. But the fact is that you actually do see um, immediate effects of some of these long-run problems. So Illinois, you actually have seen tax increases to address this looming pension obligation that does show up in our index. The Cato Institute has made a video about some of the trends detected in the data in our new study, Freedom in the 50 States. Let's have a look at that video now. How free is your state? Has it improved in recent years? Or is it on the decline? Learn about how freedom has increased or declined in your state in the Cato Institute's new report, Freedom in the 50 States. New Hampshire. This year, New Hampshire is our most improved state and currently sits as the second freest state in the country. New Hampshire's improvements are primarily driven by reforms on civil asset forfeiture and expansion of medical marijuana freedom. The Granite State's share of taxes has fallen from 3.7% in 2000 to an estimated 3% today. New Hampshire remains one of the best states in the country for gun rights, especially when it comes to lack of restrictions on open and concealed carry. West Virginia. West Virginia comes in as the second most improved state, ranking as the 34th freest state overall. West Virginia's improvements stem from increases in regulatory reform. The Mountaineer State passed far-reaching tort reforms and telecommunications deregulation along with a new right-to-work law. West Virginia's overall tax burden is slightly lower than average, declining from its peak 8.1% in 2008 to 6.4% today. 
Like New Hampshire, West Virginia is one of the best states for gun rights buttressed by a constitutional carry law. Vermont. Vermont is the overall most deteriorated state for freedom in the nation. Its decline can be traced in part to its extremely high tax rate and backwards policies on land use and energy freedom. Vermonters face one of the highest tax rates in the country, with the state government taking 9.7% of adjusted personal income. The state has fallen all the way to 48th on land use and energy freedom and has done little to nothing to restrain the use of eminent domain for private gain. The Green Mountain State requires hospitals to obtain a certificate of need prior to opening. For more information about the current state of freedom in the 50 states, or to learn more about your state and where it ranks, visit freedominthe50states.org. Welcome back. Remember, you can submit your question to hashtag Cato Connects or Facebook Live. We're talking with Jason Sorens and Will Ruger about their new Cato publication, Freedom in the 50 States. Will, you mentioned a little bit uh, New York earlier. Could you tell us some of the problems there and some of the problems that you, you notice and poor policies, policies that offend freedom uh, and some of the st other states that did poorly? Yeah, I mean, New York is number 50 by far, but behind that is Hawaii and then California, New Jersey, and Vermont. Uh, and so, you know, there are a range of states that are doing quite badly. New York is the worst. Um, in terms of the, 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 the comparison, really, it's nice to see the New York-Florida comparison because so many people associate uh, New York and Florida, given all the number of retirees that move there mm -hmm. uh, from New York, uh, particularly to the to the east coast of Florida. Mm -hmm. But it's also a lot of young people. And so the, it's not really just retirees. It's people seeking opportunity because New York is doing a, a lot of bad things. But rather than focusing just on New York just yet, let's, let's talk a little bit about Florida, right? Florida has done really well over the last 15 to 20 years to improve their freedom, uh, especially in the fiscal policy area, where they've really kept the tax burden low. That's been really important that leaders have not felt the need to stifle their economy like they have in other places by continuing to tax and tax and spend and spend. Um, so that's important for Florida. It's also the case that they've, they've maintained restrictions on land use restrictions. In other words, they've been able to basically keep housing costs down relative to supply and demand issues uh, because of the fact that they haven't had government interference so much like they have, say, in the Northeast, a state like New Hampshire, for example, where zoning and other land use restrictions have really hurt the ability for affordable housing to be built there. Um, even in the personal realm, Florida does well. In fact, Florida does better on personal freedom than regulatory freedom. Uh, Florida is a, a number 10 state on personal freedom. So it does well across the board. Now, New York's a whole nother kettle of fish. <laughs> well, New York has long had by far the highest state and local tax burden in the country. Uh, it has um, by far the highest local tax burden in the country. If you're paying property taxes in New York, you know that, um, but also state government taxes a lot. So you just get it from both directions. And then New York also happens to be the worst in regulatory policy in the country. It's number 50 in both fiscal and regulatory policy. And in regulatory policy, you have things like rent control. So rent control, economists have found, is economically devastating. Uh, you know, there's a huge waste associated with that, as well as a, a big transfer of wealth uh, 
from tenants uh, who are unlucky enough to have to uh, buy in the uncontrolled sector to those uh, who are buying in the controlled sector. Um, you know, it has uh, environmental regulations like renewable portfolio standards that uh, these are a kind of command and control regulation that order utilities to purchase a certain amount of renewable energy. Um, e economists, again, don't support that kind of measure to deal with pollution or global warming. Uh, you know, you'd want to use something like, a, um, you know, put a price on pollution instead of uh, ordering utilities to use possibly inefficient energy sources. But we usually think of, and this may be because of hyper-partisanship or whatever, we usually think if you're good on economics, you're bad on personal freedom mm -hmm. and vice versa. But I was uh, struck to find that actually New York isn't very good on that. Is that a general uh, relationship too, or is there usually a trade-off between the two? So what we actually find is that there's no relationship between economic and personal freedom. Some states are good on both, some are bad on both, and some comport with that classic identification of maybe blue states being good on personal and, and, and bad on economic and red states vice versa. Uh, New York is one of those that are, that are bad on both economic and personal freedom. And you can see this, uh, you know, New York's criminal justice policies aren't as uh, attractive as you might expect from a liberal state. So you can actually lose your driver's license for a non-driving related drug offense in New York. It's one of only a handful of states where that's the case. So, you know, you go to jail and then you can't get a job maybe because or can't get to your job because you can't drive. Uh, in New York also, you have cigarette um, taxes that almost amount to prohibition. And this is why we get black markets and, uh, you know, which the, the Eric Garner uh, death highlighted. Mm -hmm. um, just because taxes are so extremely expensive, people are smuggling in and selling them on the streets. It's the worst state for homeschoolers. Uh, it mm -hmm. had just detailed regulations in terms of what you have to keep on hand, what you have to report to the state, how often you have to report it, how often you have to do assessments uh, of your kids. Um, you know, it has other weird restrictions like with alcohol. It won't allow uh, grocery stores to sell wine. So there are just all, lots of petty regulations in New York just on your, on your private life. I'm not even getting into guns where, as you would expect, New York is going to be bad. But, but it is the case that the states that are at the top, Florida, New Hampshire, Indiana, that these are states that do well across the board. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's not as if our top states are merely – economically, quote unquote, conservative. Uh, and, you know, when it comes to personal freedom, you know, pretty overbearing. That's the stereotype of the red state. That just doesn't hold true. Mm. And maybe that's because Florida and New Hampshire are more purple, if you will. Um, but even for a state like Indiana, uh, that's traditionally seen as more of a red state, the fact is they do pretty well across the board, too. Now, they have their issues. Uh, um, but the fact, and, you know, look at New Hampshire. New Hampshire has monopoly uh, liquor stores, which seems mm. very inconsistent with live free or die. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, it is, it is the case generally that if you look at a place like New York and Florida, there's a real difference in how you perceive the reach of government into your wallet, but also into your quote unquote bedroom issue. Well, on that point, it's some of my friends have noted that without the uh, federal Supreme Court, the national Supreme Court uh, judgment on same-sex marriage, that probably some of the states would be doing worse on the personal freedom. But it, exactly. on the other hand, some of them still seem to be doing badly in your report, uh, the kinds of... Yeah. Uh, yeah, and states like Illinois, 
uh, were helped by uh, some of the centralization. Uh, if you think about gun control, for example, so states that had uh, harsher gun controls that were affected by the Heller decision, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that those are states that were, you know, that their scores went up. So it cut, has cut both ways, and you know, that leads to good philosophic discussions about, you know, what is the appropriate level of government intervention, uh, especially when it comes to government intervention in favor of freedom. So libertarians and conservatives might debate about, you know, which things should happen at the federal level, which things should happen at the state level, and, and then which things should happen at the local level, because there's been a real, I think, discussion among conservatives and libertarians about issues of preemption at the state level. How much control should they take away from localities when localities are restricting individual liberties? Um, you know, whether it's, you know, bans on uh, plastic bags or other types of things like that, especially or, or, or zoning, which is a real local level problem. I have another question here that uh, from Chuck H. Why is the negative income tax no longer discussed? I think the interesting thing here is we do have a version at the national level of uh, a negative income tax. Do any of the states have it? Uh, have they uh, experimented with that? And how does that? What kind of states are doing that sort of yeah. thing? They do. Uh, it's not part of our index, but some states, except insofar as it affects overall tax burden, but some states do have earned income tax credits like the federal one or a child tax credit. Um, Wisconsin, for instance, uh, Massachusetts. Yeah, the, the thing is you have to have an income tax in order to have an income tax credit. And so some of the states uh, that are really high on our index don't have these because they simply don't have income taxes. Um, Another question uh, from the from our audience: uh, Which uh, state results surprised you the most? The the thing that uh, you know, I was I always say I think about uh, Jason or Will working away in the middle of the night on this, and they're leaning back and they get the results back. And they just fall over because it's so surprising. Well, I'll I'll brag on my co-author Jason because he pre-committed the, the notion that West Virginia was going to do a lot better in the future, and, and that actually happened. So I don't know if you were surprised by that, but you did pre-commit. I mean, Florida is an interesting one, right? Because we had had states in the past, uh, you know, like New Hampshire and North. Dakota and others that had been really high in the rankings. Uh, and Florida, you know, has really improved itself, uh, like I said, over the last 20 years. Uh, and it's not just the fiscal policy stuff. It's also, you know, educational choice. It's that land use, uh, you know, kind of helping clamp down on land use abuse, if you will, uh, or land use policy abuse. So Florida surprised me a little bit. Um, uh, it's nice to see a state like, uh, like Florida that's getting rewarded from the kind of leadership uh, in the legislature that we've seen there over the last, again, like 15 to 20 years. Uh, so I think that's a kind of nice sign that they've taken to heart to the notion that they need to compete uh, and, to, and to do better. I think that's our last question for our authors. Thanks very much for doing this study. Lots of hard work, lots of interesting results. Uh, remember, you can get your own copy of uh, the study, as well as use the interactive website. All you need to do is go to freedominthe50states.org. That's freedominthe50states.org. You can download the PDF and find out the source of the weightings and much else about the states, or you can use the uh, website itself. Very interesting, very important. And if you're thinking about moving to another area of the country, absolutely essential. Uh, for this, for today, this is all from Cato Connects. I'm John Samples here at the Cato Institute. Thanks.